that, well, hallelujah. I'm so thankful for what God's called me to. I couldn't do what you do. And he couldn't, he wouldn't want a pastor either. Amen. <laughs> never know though. Never say never. I learned that. Come on, somebody. I said never once and I wound up doing that exact thing. I don't do that anymore. Please put your best hand together for God's servant, my, my friend. A son of this house, Prophet John Harkey. Put your hands together for him. Come on. I'm really glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise. We already know that there's been a shift in the atmosphere here, huh? We thank you for that shift. Tonight I'm going to share an interesting insight that God gave me out of His Word. Then... We're expecting God to move in power. He already has. But if you brought your Bible tonight, I want you to turn, please, to the book of Matthew. Matthew, the 11th chapter. I think tomorrow morning I'm going to speak part two of where I left off last night. But tonight I felt led of the Lord to speak out of this particular chapter in Matthew. I'm going to read verses 2 and 3, and I'm reading from the NIV tonight. Tonight I'm going to talk about the life of John the Baptist. This is what it says in verse 2 and 3. It says, When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Now, church, this is not just somebody who got saved. This is not somebody who just graced the steps of the sanctuary last month. This is God's prophet. This is a man whose life, if we lay some foundation tonight, we see an interesting thing that his birth was supernaturally announced. And when we look at this announcement, we see something that I want to run on for a moment. His father Zechariah and his mother Mary had been praying for a number of years. And God did not answer that prayer in their time frame. And sometimes when your prophetic word or your prayer doesn't get answered immediately or seems like it's far off. We have a tendency to put the prayer and the prophecy on the shelf. Come on, church. And we have a tendency to believe that sometimes maybe this is not God's will. Maybe this is not God's heart for me. Maybe I miss God. Or maybe the speaker or maybe the prophet missed God. But let me just tell you something that there's comes a time you remember what the servant of the Lord of, of Elijah said when he he went up to the mountain and he came back to Elijah and he said I don't see anything how many ever felt like that I don't see anything I don't see the manifestation of it 
What did He tell him to do? He told him to go up. Everybody say, go up. Everybody say, go up. Church, I'm telling you right now, God sent me to tell you it's not time to go down, it's time to go up. And they were in that place and Zechariah and Elizabeth had put the prayer on the shelf and they had just submitted to barrenness. But I praise God that there was a moment in Zechariah's life when he has the opportunity to go behind the veil. And when he goes behind the veil, folks, all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord announces to Zechariah the very thing that he'd been praying for for years. I don't know about you tonight, but if God came to me and gave me the, the promise of the very thing that I've been praying for and dreaming of, of coming to pass, I can tell you right, right now, I'd be running around this church. God's answering my heart's cry. But we know that that is not Zechariah's reaction. In fact, his reaction is opposite of what he prayed. And when God spoke through the angel Gabriel, you're going to have a son, Zechariah looks up and says, you expect me to believe this? Before we laugh at him, before we look at him, sometimes our character is just like that. You know why? Because our, our conditions don't line up with the prophecy. Our situations don't line up with what's going on. Are you hearing? But here's what happens to us. It doesn't matter how much God moves in a church. But why did Zechariah react like that? Why did, he react, why did he go that? Because I tell you right now, sometimes a worship service can just become a ritual. That even coming to a weekend service can just become a routine. And church, I can tell you this, that sometimes... We get so caught up in our ritual and the structure of how we do things. And here the angel of the Lord wants to show up and answer people's requests. And because, see, I can guarantee you this, the angel showing up that day was not in the church bulletin. It was an interruption to Zacharias lighting the candles and taking care of the showbread. Oh, church... And that sometimes even we can come into a service like tonight where, where there's, we are inundated with the presence of God. But we're more concentrated on the screen. Now, I have to tell you, I'm really a happy camper right now because for the next few weeks I get to spend time with my son and my daughter-in-law, but I really don't want to see them. I want to see that little baby. And uh, my little granddaughter. And on my wife's laptop, they have what they call Skype. I mean, you heard of that. 
Got a little camera on there. When my wife got the laptop, first thing she did is she contacted the kids, not to talk to the kids, but to talk to the baby. And so we get on this Skype, and here comes Charlie puts little Kayala right in front of us. And she's talking, and, and, and Grandma and I are talking to her. And, and all of a sudden, my wife says, Kayala, can we hold you? And the little girl stuck out her little hands for us to pick her. At that moment, Grandpa got up, left the room. When I left the room, my wife was calling me, John, can't you see the baby sitting still? I said, that's the problem. I can see her, but I can't touch her. Because I can see her on a screen. Are you hearing me? Because sometimes we come to church and we're so caught up in the ritual of what's going on. And there's a God in heaven that wants to reach out and touch us. Not that Our knowledge of God is not just through a screen. That our knowledge of God is because we can't live in this world without being touched by God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And sometimes what people get caught up is that their experience, their, their, their revelation of God is only to, only to the revelation of what they can see, not what they can feel. Come on, folks. And I guarantee you this. You know what? When, when the Lord showed me that, I said, God, here you are trying to reach out to me. But I'm satisfied. Satisfied with knowing you at a distance. Come on. Come on, folks. And then you show up, you want to answer my request. And I say, oh Lord, you expect me to believe this? I don't know. I don't want to know God from a TV screen or a little computer laptop screen. I want to know Him. I want to know Him real. I want Him real. I want to feel Him. I want to touch Him. I want to be changed by Him. I want to be transformed by Him. I want everything He has for my life. Are you hearing me? But why did Zechariah react that way as well? Because you have to understand that when we come through these doors, we're not just coming to KC. That's a name. We're coming into His presence. That when I walk through these doors, I'm stepping into another realm. And when I'm stepping into another realm, that means the unusual can happen. But if I'm walking, uh, walking, if I got up, or I get up tomorrow, and I don't walk through these doors expecting the unusual, then I'm going to miss the unusual when it shows up. Because the Lord spoke to me on the plane, and He said to tell Alaska that the unusual is going to become commonplace in this church. Come on. God will raise up a people 
that walk through the doors of the sanctuary with an expectation. Could this be the day, God, that You are going to answer my heart's cry? Oh, Jesus. Could this be the hour, God, that You're going to answer? And I believe there's got to be something in the heart that says, Lord, when I'm walking through these doors, not out of ritual, I'm walking through these doors expecting that this night, this morning, whatever I need, I'm going to expect the unusual. Because I need the unusual to happen. Not the routine. Not the ritual. Because what happens, the reason why people get burnt out in ministry, let me just tell you, is because they get in a routine, in a ritual, and there's no heart connection to God. There's no visitation from the Lord. There's no revelation from the Lord. And let me just tell you, revelation keeps you alive. A visitation from God keeps you alive. You can go through all kinds of chaos, but when you have God say, I'm going to give you a son. Oh, come on. Let me tell you, my son is not here because he's talented. There's a lot of talented musicians. His mom and I fought for his destiny. Come on. We fought for his destiny. That means it cost me money. It cost me food. Come on, church. I'm on my face fasting for my kids. Come on. And I'm not going to submit to what culture would do to my kids. I'm sorry. Are you hearing me? Because God gave me a promise when he was 11 years old, he didn't didn't even know what a guitar was, that my son would stand up and worship God. Oh, come on, church. If God gave you a prophetic promise from God, despite the behavior of those around you, that makes no difference. Because their behavior did not affect me and my wife. We believed the Lord's Word. Come on. That's why I love what Mary said. Mary's reaction was a little bit different than Zacharias. I mean, think about it, folks. See, the same angel showed up. Different reaction. Her reaction... I mean, when, when the angel said, said to her and says, Mary, you are highly favored. What is this greeting? You're going to have a son. Well, listen, here's the thing. I know this. I can't have a son unless there's a man. Come on. The facts say this can't happen medically or physically. But we know that God is bigger than facts. That the supernatural realm doesn't operate on earthly principles. And when the angel says you're going to have a child and you're naming Jesus, and He's going to be the Savior of humanity, what did she, how did she react? In her brain, she didn't think, well, if I get pregnant, I could be stoned. In her brain, she didn't think, well, when I start showing, you know what, people are going to talk about, about me. My engagement to Joseph is going to break off. That did not enter her mind. You know what came out of her mouth? Be it done unto me, as you have said. Be it done unto me, as you have said. 
Sometimes you need to put your hand on your forehead and stop listening to what's going on inside your head and say to the Lord, Be it done unto me, Lord, as you have said. Not as man has said, not as the doctor has said, not as conditions have said, but as you have said. Oh, come on. Church, I don't know about you, but you know what? Sometimes people go to the doctor and the doctor says, Sir, you have cancer and you have six months to live. That's a fact. Come on. But God said, by your stripes you are healed. That's the truth. Now what we do sometimes is we put man's words up here and God's words down here. And I believe what God wants to do in our mind is God wants to reverse that. Listen to me. Mark 7.13. New King James Version. It says, You make the Word of God of no effect because of your traditions. Isaiah 55 says that His Word will not return void without accomplishing what He set it out to do. And then here in the New Testament, Jesus contradicts Isaiah 55. Right? Now, most times when we hear the word tradition, our thought thing is thinking the traditional church with the pews or with altar benches or hymns or certain kinds of liturgy that they go through. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Because the word tradition means inherited patterns of thinking. Come on. So here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying that you make the Word of God of no effect in your life because of wrong patterns of thinking. Come on. Because if the pattern of your thought life or your thinking is not correct, come on, when an angel shows up and says you're going to have a son because your mind is not renewed, you'll say, how can this happen? Come on, church. Because it's a pattern of thinking. And see, I'm telling you, folks, If you want revival in this church, if you really want a move of God, the pattern of our thought life has got to change. Because revival, church, means work. That's what it means. Revival means work. Because you know what revival meant for me? Work. I was at a church for, you know, four weeks, three and a half hours over from my house. And there were times when I had to drive back and forth several times, three and a half hours one way. In L.A., that's not a fun place to drive. There were times when I had to sacrifice my sleep. 
See, people, I had to sacrifice my hobby. What I like to do. Because sometimes we want revival, but we don't want to sacrifice what we like to do. Are you hearing? We want the move of God. But see, this is, this is, my, this is the cry of my heart. Jesus, in Matthew 23, 37, said to the people of God, He said, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and the messengers I sent you, oh, how I long to gather you as a mother hand gathers her chicks, but you did not want me to. In other words, Jesus was there to bring revival to Jerusalem. Come on, folks. And nobody thinks in this mind because we always preach about the cost of revival. But see, the Lord gave me this. He said, John, what about the cost of not having revival? Oh, come on. But are you willing, John, to pay the price of not having revival? No, I'm not. Because I don't want to stand before the Lord and say, John, I, I could have poured out my Spirit in your generation, but you were too busy with your family, your friends, your hobbies, your stuff. Oh, Jesus, don't get me started. Come on. You were too busy with your hunting. You were too busy with your fishing. And I wanted to pour out my Spirit. Come on. You were too busy thinking how much it cost. Because people don't even know how much my, my son's plane ticket cost. But not only did I have to pay that, but I had to pay because this guy didn't show up. I paid a ticket for another young man to fly from California to Boise. But you know what it is? It's the cost of not having revival that motivates me. Because Jesus in that day wanted to send His Spirit because He knew what was going to happen to Jerusalem. Come on. That the temple was going to get torn down by the Roman government and there would be no semblance of worship. Come on. In Jerusalem unless they received the Lord. And because they rejected revival, guess what? The temple was destroyed. And church, we never get into the mindset of the cost of not having revival. It motivates me. You know why it motivates me? It motivates me that, you know what, Lord? If it's going to cost me my sleep, if it's going to cost me my house, if it's going to cost me my money, who cares about that stuff? But Lord, if you send your revival, come on. If you send a revival that I'm praying for, Lord Jesus, I want to be in the middle of it. Come on. Zechariah supernaturally was announced his prayer. But you know what? I praise God for this. I praise God that that even though Zechariah reacted wrong, God still fulfilled his plan. And let me just tell you, God is never intimidated by the wrong reaction of people. And the wrong reaction of people is not going to hinder what he's getting ready to do. Because he'll raise up another. He'll replace. Are you hearing me? He can replace me. He can replace us. He can replace us anytime he wants to. 
Listen, folks. God fulfilled that word. God did give him the son despite that reaction. And this son, John, raised up. And this is a wonderful story. Here is Elizabeth, six months pregnant with John. Mary, the mother of Jesus, walks into the room. Walks into the room. And when she walks into the room, Mary walks into the room, and Elizabeth is there at the house. Elizabeth has no idea about that encounter. And she says, Blessed are you. Come on. Because you believed what God said He would do. The whole church. Let me tell you what defines blessedness. Blessedness isn't defined by what you've accomplished. I can have great intelligence. I can have the right skills and I can accomplish much. True blessedness is, de- is defined by what you believe. Because you can accomplish a lot of things and not believe right. Come on. If you don't believe correctly, you're not going to heaven. Blessedness is defined by what you believe. You are blessed if you believe that what God said to you would come to pass. Oh, come on. That's being blessed. And immediately, John, even in his womb at six months, an embryo, a baby, it says when Elizabeth saw Mary, that the baby leaped inside her womb. That even at that age, there was an awareness of the presence of God. Oh, I pray, oh Lord Jesus. You know what? You know why you see your pastor up here leaping like that? Because when the presence of God comes in, are you going to sit there and twiddle your thumbs? There's a leaping on the inside that happens on the inside of your spirit when God comes in the room. Mm. A recognition that the King of Kings has just entered into the sanctuary. There had been an awesome presence that had just come in and I'm just reacting to who just showed up. Even before Pentecost, this woman Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit begins to prophesy. And this man John is raised up. He's out in the wilderness. He's not in the best place. The thing is, he has a word. He has a message from God. He has no worship team. He has no props. He has no building. He has nothing but a word from God. And church, this is a proven statistic. The average Christian in America only reads the Bible five minutes a week. Now, can you imagine traveling the country speaking to people that are biblically illiterate? Come on. And that five minutes a week includes 
what the preacher reads on Sunday. And man, you wonder why our families are in a state of confusion because we have no idea what God said. But John has a word from God. And I believe that God is raising up preachers all over America that have a word from God. Because it's not what the people want, it's what they need to hear. Not what they want to hear, what they need to hear. Not to tingle their ears, but to speak the truth. Because comforting you is not going to heal you. It is the truth that sets you free. And there's such an anointing on His Word. No worship team, no props, no nothing. There's just an anointing on the Word of God. The Word of God by, by itself filters through the cities of Jerusalem and Israel and all over every ethnicity, every Greeks, Romans, Sadducees, and Pharisees come out to be baptized. In other words, a revival breaks out in the ministry of John. And at that moment when he's having success, God speaks to him and says, when you see the dove land on this individual that is the Christ, that is the Messiah, you'll see heaven open. The dove will descend. As he's baptizing, moves of God and salvation is happening all over. All of a sudden, Jesus comes to be baptized. Heaven opens. John hears the audible voice. Dove comes out of heaven. Lands on Jesus. And remains there as long as Jesus is on the earth. And Jesus said, it's better that I go away. That I might leave the comfort. Now that means that the dove, the Holy Spirit is looking for somebody to land on. Because Jesus sent the Holy Spirit out of heaven to land on you. And I, to remain on our lives as long as we walk this earth. I say, Lord, here am I. Land on me. All this happened Wonderful ministry of John the Baptist. But now we get to Matthew 11. Now in Matthew 11, John's whole ministry has changed. He's no longer, he's no longer the, the, the head preacher in Israel. He's no longer having revival meetings. In fact, he's in prison. He's in another location. And while he's in a location, he questions the reality of who God is. John the Baptist. What happened, folks? What happened to this man who experienced the supernatural power of God from birth, but at the end of his life, he questions the reality of Jesus? Because here's what happens. 
Because if there's any negative event that happens in the life of a believer in America, they think that's not God. Oh, come on. They determine their success based on their location. Come on, church. And right, and I want to tell you something. Your location is never permanent. Your location is temporary. And your location right now in your life doesn't define whether God's hand is on your life. Oh, Jesus. Did you get that? Your location does not define whether God's hand is on your life. I'm going through a divorce preacher. That Hey, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I've lost my job. I'm in this location. I'm struggling financially. I'm in this location. That doesn't define who you are. But John was looking through his lens of his location. Because what happens in the mind when it's not renewed, and this happened to a mighty prophet, what happened was this. Lord, because if you loved me, you would have never thrown me in jail or allowed this to happen. If you really cared about me, I wouldn't be in this position right now. I'd still be out having revival services. But I thought John prayed or prophesied. Lord, I want to decrease so you can increase. And once he decreases, he questions the reality of God. Come on, church. And see, God is not looking at your location or your crisis. God is looking at your reaction to your location and your crisis. Oh, come on. It's how you react to it that's going to change the atmosphere. It's not your location, not whether you're in jail or you're in debt or you're going through a divorce or you're in a sickness. It's not that God's just looking at that. Yeah, He's concerned. But His concern is your reaction to it. Because your reaction says to God who you believe. Oh, come on. Now, if I can make a connection with this, here is John. I believe the same anointing that was out in the Jordan could have been used in jail. The same anointing for breakthrough and transformation of life could have happened right there in the prison. But, if I can make a connection tonight, I see two men that were in the same position as John the Baptist was. I just see them reacting opposite of their chains. Oh, come on, church. I don't know about you, but I'm not afraid to admit that every human being has chains. But let me tell you, my chains don't tell, tell the world who I am. It is God who tells me who I am. My, my chains do not define my identity. It's God that defines my identity. And my chains are going to be temporary because one day we're going to be completely free and God is going to come back and we'll be eternally with Him. Oh, come on, church. It's my reaction. And sometimes when there's a crisis in our life, it, we begin to bind up. Come on. And focus on the crisis and the chains. And the thing is, see... 
when you're fighting the devil, you don't need a psychological suggestion. You need to thus saith the Lord. Come on. Come on, church. You need to thus saith the Lord for your situation. Paul and Silas were in a fight. They, 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 they went to the churches. They went to the synagogues. The persecution said it. They weren't put in a hotel. They weren't given a love offering. Come on. They weren't picked up by the pastor. In fact, when they went to church, they got no offering, no hotel, and a whooping. That's true. And at that moment, you think, forget the ministry. But we see something in Acts 16. We see a reaction that moved heaven. Church, I believe this. I believe that there is potential in this church where if we react according to the mind of God, heaven can move. Right into this location. You follow me? Right into this place. Something can break. Something can crack. Something can break through. Come on. But do I have anybody that's going to react not according to their mind, but according to God's mind? Oh, Jesus. So we see Paul and Silas, and we see them not complaining about the wounds of ministry and the hurts that they, they got from the last church. The, the, the conversations that absolutely produced no fruit or no effect. Oh, come on. Talking about maybe the worship should have been too long or too short. Or the preacher preached too long or preached too short or I didn't get prayed for or I went to a call-out room and I didn't like my prophecy. Oh, give me a break. Come on. Haven't ha, sitting there com- talking about what God hasn't done instead of talking about what God's going to do. We don't see them having that conversation. And at the midnight hour, I love this. At the midnight hour, when it looked like they were going to spend the entire evening in that prison, What did they do? The Bible says they sang hymns and praises unto God. Because see, the key to your breakthrough isn't your counseling session with your pastor. The key to your breakthrough is not because you get some information to fill your mind and hope that you step out and do this. That is not where breakthrough comes. Breakthrough comes when in the middle of your change, you stop focusing on your change and you focus your heart on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, church, I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. Listen. When I had an encounter with God, it was because in the middle of my chains, I laid down in my living room and I worshiped God. Oh, come on. Because what I am doing is I am saying to God, God, I cannot take care of this. I didn't ask for this, 
But I know that you are bigger than my location. If I get excited, please excuse me. But could you imagine? Here's Paul and Silas. They're singing hymns and praises to God. They're all chained up. They're all bound up. They're locked up. And they're not, they're not focusing on how they're going to get out and sue somebody. They're not talking about the injustice. Come on, church. They're not talking about all the injustice that they received because of who they were. Because let me tell you, if you're a Christian, you're going to receive injustice. Bottom line. Sorry, that's part of the package. If you don't like injustice, I'm sorry. It's your reaction to the injustice that God is looking for. How many want divine intervention? See, if you focus on your pain and your change, you'll never see divine intervention. You'd be like John the Baptist. If you're, is he the one? Or is there someone else? Because this don't look like God, me being in here. made a choice to react opposite of their situation. Oh, Jesus. And I believe God looked down from heaven. Whoa. Look at those boys. You know what I think I'm going to do? can't afford to leave them in their chains. These boys are just too valuable to me and my kingdom to keep them locked up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, come on, church. You're just too valuable. Church, you don't understand how valuable you become when you react according to the mind of God. You're just too valuable to leave me in your addiction. You're too valuable to leave me in your psychological mess. You're too valuable. Oh, come on. You're too valuable. And because you're too valuable, guess what? You got my attention. And God sent an earthquake isolated to that location. Oh, my God. Oh, my Lord. Church, I'm telling you, if I could get 100% participation in this house tonight, there's enough faith in this house to send an earthquake to this house that shakes every chain up. Everybody, come on, church. There's enough worship in this house to shake Alaska. Oh, Jesus. Oh. And you know, when God sent that earthquake, it was shaking. Can you imagine? All you hear is... 
叭叭叭就 snap snap snap。Oh Jesus! You and some people, you've been sitting with your chains, hoping that just a nice teaching is going to get it off. Oh. You got so much teaching. You're drowning in your teaching. And all of a sudden, change came off, church. Change came off, church. Change came off. Why? Because they reacted right. Are you going to react toward your culture? Are you going to react the same way your daddy did? The same way your mommy did? Are you going to react according to what God wants you to react? Because if you do, Shabbata! Yeah! Yeah! Whoa! Yes! Yes! Yeah! Whoa! Yeah! Yes, yeah, I'm telling you. Shakarama, shakarama, shabakosata. Oh, come on, church! Come on, church! God is looking for a reaction. A reaction, church. A reaction that gets heaven's attention. See, here's why. Here's why I have to be an example. Here's why I have to react right. Because I'm just not breaking my chains. God didn't just free me so I could walk around and be free. Come on, church. My reaction affects everybody around me. Come on, church. And if John Harkey didn't react right in the midst of his crisis with his kids and his marriage, then guess what? You better follow her right now. You better follow her right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, if you got shame. Shula bakalaba shuka. Shama kasha tulia. Shaba kosha tama shaba kasha. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, come on, church. Stand up and put your hands together. Yes. Shabakashata, 
God doesn't free us so we can just walk around and sing, I am free to dance. I'm free to sing. He doesn't, he doesn't free us just to sing songs. <laughs> That's what we think freedom is. He breaks my chains. Because everybody within my radius, everybody in my vicinity, every life that I have effect upon. I hear the cracking sound of chains being broken. I'm telling you tonight. I'm telling you tonight. I'm telling you tonight by the word of the Lord. I'm telling you tonight the biggest hindrance to revival is because we have a wrong pattern of thinking and that is chaining our brain. But God's here to free us tonight. And if you want to keep your chains, just you're being selfish. Because you're saying, I don't care about the other prisoners. I don't care about these others in prison. You know why? I'll go anywhere. I don't care if it's four or four thousand. I do not care. You know why? Because God broke my chain. And I have a prophetic responsibility. To break every change that I come in contact with. When Paul and Silas worshipped, something broke. Not only did their chains break, but every prisoner in that prison broke. Doors swing open because the King of Glory came in. Shovel coat, pastor. going to take an offering if you could be seated. I want you to know that it's a special offering. It's a call to break the chains offering. That's what we're going to call it. Because worship, worship, giving is involved in worship. And so we're going to, we're going to give an offering into the Harkey's ministry. And uh, you make a check out to KC. Do something. The measure of a good offering is everybody does something. Everybody just obey God. If it's two bits... Praise the Lord. It doesn't matter. Two bits. 
200, 2,000, whatever. You obey God, all right? So just pray and talk to God. Come on, the, the, the woman who broke the alabaster box and worshipped you, Jesus. Jesus said he'll, her story will be told everywhere the gospel is told. Come on, we're going to do something. We're going to bless the men, the men of God. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. No more bondage. No more pain. No more change. Hey, if you need an envelope, go ahead and slip your hand up. Would you help me? I know we need one up front. This entire thing will go to... John Harkey, you make a check out to KC or you can write King's Chapel and uh, we'll send them on with one check. Wow, what a word! What a great word! Break the chains in Jesus' name! Break the chains in Jesus' name! When you were preaching, uh, John, yes, sir. Uh, I saw you transfigured at the moment. I realized I wasn't listening to you anymore. Indeed. And there is a double portion that's upon your son of the anointing that's upon your life. Really, it's just starting to come. It's just starting to flow. There's been times you just said, "Well, I am not going to be like that." <laughs> but the Lord's going to come on you with such power and such unction that you will become another man. It's going to overtake you. It's already started. You felt it in worship. There's been times when it's just been taken over. And then when it's all done, you look back and go, whoa, what was that? Well, that's how it'll be. You'll preach. You'll sing and you'll write music and you'll do that. But you'll preach and you'll prophesy too. There's a double portion of that which is upon your father is upon you. John, you prayed for that for your son, and I just don't tell you, I saw I saw him preaching. <laughs> I saw him ripping it up. Awesome. Because you taught him to break chains. That's what you do. You're a chain breaker, a well digger. Anybody else going to break all the chains? You know, John, this is for you, but for your family, for your loved ones. Amen. Ushers, would you come? I want to be sensitive to uh, want to be sensitive to time. I know many of you have uh, a long day tomorrow. I want to make sure that you all come back tomorrow morning, ten o'clock. All right. Two more services. How many of you say, Pastor Daniel? I'm gonna invite somebody. Invite somebody. All right. Invite somebody. Let's pray over this offering and just thank God for the heart keys. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. Come on, stand up on your feet and just begin to thank God for, for John. Come on, you don't just get on fire. You, you, you know, you gotta you gotta contend, you gotta fight, you gotta go through the go through the flood. Thankful for the price that he paid so that we can receive the fruit of his ministry. 
Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for the Harkies. We thank you for John and Meliana. We thank you for his two children. Lord, the blessing that they are, God, to the body of Christ and willingness, Lord, to move forward. A willingness, God, to bring a hard message and an encouraging word. Thank you that he continues to pay the price. And we ask, Lord, that you would bless him. That this offering now, Lord, would not only break chains for us. Come on. What chains do you want broken? You name your seed right now. What are you believing that God's going to break in your life? What breakthrough do you need? Name it. Somebody should write it on the back of your envelope. Name your seed right now. Is it in your marriage? Is it in your children? In your finances? Some of you personally want to be set free from a life of torment. Mindsets. Come on. Write it down. Free us right now. Lord, break every chain in Jesus' name. As this offering is received, ushers, would you come and just put the buckets right up front here? As this offering is received, I pray, break every chain in the name of Jesus and thrust forth John and his family into greater heights of the expression of your kingdom and expressing the power of God. Do it, I pray, in the name of the Lord. Come on, come and give. Those 
come to the sound of my voice and you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or make a recommitment to Him, or maybe you just want to be assured of your salvation if you fit in any of those three categories. Giving your heart to Christ, repenting of your sin, asking Him to forgive you, asking Him to come into your life for the first time if you fit in that category, or maybe you've given your heart to Jesus at some camp when you were a kid, or maybe last week, but you just fell off and stopped serving you want to recommit your life to the Lord that's number two or number three you just you want to be assured of your salvation the enemy messes with you whether you're really giving your heart to the Lord and you want to be sure you fit in any of those categories on the count of three giving your heart to Jesus for the first time number two making your recommitment number three being assured of your salvation all across this place those under the sound of my voice want to give your heart to Christ right now in any of those three ways, slip your hand up all across this place. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. I see your hand. Anybody else? Come on, be honest with God. Anybody else? God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? Those online, perhaps. God bless you. God bless you. Let's all pray right out loud, right where you are. Mean it from your heart. Say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave. Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. And be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Break every chain. Break every bondage. Renew my mind as I read your word. Give me a hunger for the things of God. For fellowship with other believers. Fill me with your spirit. I'll say that again. Fill me with your spirit. Say it one more time. Fill me with your spirit. And use me to fulfill the purpose for which I was created. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Lift your hands as a sign of surrender all across this place. Holy Spirit, come. Fill Touch. Fill your people with the Holy Spirit. Don't you have the freedom to pray in the Holy Ghost? Do it right now. Shout by I want you to put your hands down for a moment. A little, a little softer, please. There's an anointing of healing here. I'm going to give a word of knowledge. And then then we're not going to have an altar call. Because I want you all back fresh tomorrow. But there are people here right now. You're having mental problems. Depression, thoughts of suicide, confusion, mental confusion, emotional problems inside your head. Let me just tell you this. We know that John the Baptist's head got cut off. We know that. Herodias asked for that. 
But let me just say this to you. John the Baptist lost his head long before her rebellious cut it off, or had it cut off. He lost his head when he questioned who Jesus was. And if that's you tonight, you say, I'm depressed. You're struggling with lack of sleep, worry, fear, these kinds of things. I want you to raise your hand and say, Preacher, that's me. All over this nation. Now, those of you that did not did not pray for that, this is what I want you to do. You'll see somebody around you with their hands raised. I want you to go over to them right now, if you would. I want I don't want anybody not being prayed for right now. There's two there, I need another gentleman over there with those two two brothers. I want somebody being prayed for. This young lady, the lady in the young bag. I need her to be prayed for. Those of you that have your hands raised, I want those of you that are praying for them to put your hand on their forehead right now. Put your hand over their forehead right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus right now, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray right now, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in the power of the Holy Spirit, would break every mental tank in this room, in Jesus' name. Those that are taking psychiatric medicine, those that are taking depression pills and sleeping pills right now, I'd break that off of their minds right now in the name of the Lord. Those who are suffering from confusion, distorted thoughts, unable to concentrate, Lord, break that right now in Jesus' name. Fear and worry. You cannot stand the atmosphere of heaven. You don't belong in this atmosphere. I curse your work right now in Jesus' name. And I speak the peace of God. I declare this word. I declare it over your life. I declare it. I declare that your mind will be kept in perfect peace. I declare that your mind right now will be in perfect peace. I declare that your mind is no longer thinking about yourself but it stayed upon the Lord I priest I, I declare the increase of the peace of Jesus over you right now that the devil the enemy Lucifer can no longer rob you in your thought life I declare that over you right now 
There it is. Just receive it. There it is right now. The power of the Lord is all over you. There it is. We worship you, Jesus. We bless you. Come on now, you thank Him. Right out loud. Those you've been getting prayed for, start thanking Him. That's all part of it. Come on, thank Him. Thank Him. Even if you don't feel any different, start thanking Him right out loud. Come on, worship Him. Thank Him. Come on, somebody say, thank you, Jesus. You guys have been getting prayed for. Thank Him right out loud. Very, very crucial. Thank Him. Thank Him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We magnify your holy name. Mighty God, we serve. Would you take someone by the hand all across this place? Don't miss tomorrow night. 6 p.m. Don't miss tomorrow morning at 10. If you don't have a home church, we'd love to be that for you. Come and be a part of all that's taking place here at King's Cathedral and Chapels. Come on, let's pray one for another. Father, we thank you and praise you. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light upon our path. Thank you for your healing touch. Thank you for your grace, your power, and your anointing. Thank you that sickness, infirmity, and disease cannot stand before you, must go. We lift up, Lord, Ron Hall now in ICU. Heal Ron Hall, God, in ICU tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, touch those who were not able to make it and bring us back here tomorrow morning, tomorrow night. Pack the place out, rip the roof off, and bring a great outpouring and release of your kingdom power, we pray. We thank you and exalt you and glorify you for all that you've done and for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. We'll hope to see you tomorrow.